Adam Crowley. I'm only happy whenever I get retweets. My dopamine levels only go through the roof whenever I'm seeing retweets. Right, that's the life that I'm living. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Matt Murray is out with a concussion. The Penguins haven't played any defense whatsoever. But you just know that when Casey DeSmith goes on the ice, he'll get the best defense the Penguins have played all year long. Sorry, Matt. Bad time to get hurt. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me. Shirtless Tom behind the glass. Check them out on Twitter at FBomber73 and at ButtonPusher970. Tell your kids. Tell your wife. We're doing radio up in here. If the Steelers are back, you beat the Bengals, right? If you're back, you do what you've done for the last two decades and you go in there when the Bengals are all high and mighty and feeling themselves. We're a great football team. We're 4-1. and one. We've got Andy Dalton. And when the Steelers leave, they should be thinking, we're 4-2. and two. Are we a good football team? Ugh, we've got Andy Dalton. The Steelers have feasted on the Bengals with Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. In fact, they've feasted at Paul Brown Stadium since it opened. The team has just played its best game of the season. It's time to freaking show that the real Pittsburgh Steelers are here. If they're really back, if they're really going to win this division, this game is a must-win. Cincinnati's doing it with all kinds of smoke and mirrors. I thought they'd be good coming into the season. They are 4-1, and one, and as a famous coach once said, you are what your record says you are. But I ain't buying that they're a division champion type good. They're 23rd in the league at stopping the run. That's not good. They're 21st in the league at stopping the pass. That's not good. They're 21st in the league in points allowed on defense. That's not good. They're 23rd in running the ball on offense. That's not good. They're 15th at throwing it. That's not good. This is a good football team. Don't get me wrong. But they're doing it with a lot of, hey, look over here. They're doing it with a lot of misdirection. They won each of their games late. They stopped an Indianapolis drive on the last possession. They scored against Atlanta on the last possession. They scored 24 points because they had to against Miami in the final quarter of that game. You shouldn't ever be in a position where you need 24 points in a quarter to beat a team. And they were. That shows me they've got some warts. They've also pulled them out. They kind of remind me of last year's Pittsburgh Steelers team. They've got a lot of talent on offense. A.J. Green is one of the best receivers in football. Tyler Boyd is, I think, their version of Juju Smith-Schuster. John Ross can take the top off the defense going down the field. He's got wheels, yo. They use the tight ends well, despite Tyler Eifert's leg having exploded on national television. Their offensive line, well, it was a problem, was fixed this offseason. It's not great, but it's good enough. And they've won all their games close. They are the last year Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers were 13-3, and went 8-2 and in one score games. 
Won four games with Chris Boswell knocking him through the uprights. If the Steelers last year had this year's Chris Boswell, the Steelers last year would have been this year's Bengals. It's going to be a close game, though. That's what that tells me. The Steelers, over the years, have made plays in Cincinnati to win the game. Ben is 12-2 and there. The Steelers are 17-3 and there since the place opened. They get that Escaloser all cranked up. Go make the play that they've been making, because usually you do, and they don't when the stakes are highest. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Upon further review... The AFC North isn't all that great. It's better than it's been, no doubt about that. Last year, only the Steelers made the playoffs. The Bengals knocked the Ravens from the ranks of the playoff teams. And the Browns, well, they didn't win a game. This year, the Bengals are 4-1. and one. The Ravens are 3-2. and two. They've got their head barely above water. And the Browns have won more games than they have the last two years combined. But just because every team is improved doesn't mean that the division is great. It just means the division is improved. The Ravens, for as good as they looked against the Pittsburgh Steelers, for as good as they looked against Buffalo, they just lost to the Browns. For as poopy as the Steelers looked week one, as many times they gave the ball to Cleveland, they still couldn't find a way to lose that game despite doing everything in their power to do so. So the Ravens, they got some problems. The Bengals could easily, they're not, but they could easily be 1-4. and four. And the Browns, yeah, they're way better than they've been. But they're not a playoff team this year. Don't fool yourselves into thinking that because you watched them on hard knocks and they got some guys you can root for, that they're actually a good football team. They're better. They're a better football team. They're a competitive football team. They're not a great football team. So despite this Steelers' terrible stretch to begin the season, for as bad as they were in Cleveland, for as terrible as they were at home against Baltimore and Kansas City, for as shaky as they looked in the second half against Tampa, this football team still controls its own path to the playoffs. That got mucusy there for a second. Kind of nasty. Had to clear the stuff out of my throat off the air. I kind of negated the effect of that, though, by talking about it immediately after I cleared it out of my throat off the air. If the Steelers win this week, they go into the bye week feeling like they can control the division. They've then got Cleveland coming to Heinz Field. You have to win that game. And they could be looking at 4-2-1 with the Baltimore Ravens next up on the schedule. This team, no matter what you think of them, no matter what's happened, all the things that I just detailed, all the problems, the trials, tribulations, Antonio Brown throwing things at an infant, they, if they perform well in the next three games, will be back in the driver's seat, not just for the playoffs, not just to be a team that slides in the back door, hey, but a team that can win the damn division and maybe get a home game in the playoffs. I do think the Steelers are going to win this Sunday. As crazy as it sounds, They played their best football of the season, and now they're going to a place where they know they can win and confidence is going to be high. Do you have more faith in the Steelers winning a huge division showdown or the Bengals winning a huge division showdown? And one further, do you have faith in the Bengals winning a huge division showdown at home? Because Cincinnati's put a wrench in the Steelers' plans a number of times at Heinz Field. It ain't Heinz Field. 
It's Paul Brown Stadium where there's going to be a whole bunch of terrible towels waving around. It kind of negates their home field advantage. So I think the Steelers find a way to win. 412-922-2874. That is the earliest prediction that you will ever hear on the Crowley Show. Usually I string yins along. So Friday you get my pick and I can boast about it if it goes well on Monday. But it's Wednesday and I think they're going to win. It looks like Ricola is going to slot in and play in place of Olimata in tomorrow night's game against the Vegas Golden Knights. Mark Madden and others have argued that it's too early for that. You can't sit a guy down. Are you going to sit everyone down for having a bad game in an 82-game season? No. The answer is no. There's no slippery slope. This doesn't set a bad precedent. In fact, it sets a good example for accountability. Anybody who's arguing, you can't sit down Ole Mata, it's too quick to put the hook out there, seem to be the same people who say that Mike Tomlin doesn't discipline his team enough. Do you think Mike Sullivan's a good coach? Do you dislike some of the things that Mike Tomlin does? Well, this is something that you don't see often from Mike Tomlin. Now it's happened. Eli Rogers got sat down last year. Martavis Bryant was suspended. It has happened. But Mike Sullivan's kind of going against the grain now in 2018 and acting like an old-school hockey coach, an old-school coach. I like it. The Penguins had terrible defensive habits last year. They managed the puck poorly. They made low-percentage plays. They took bad angles to pucks. They pinched at the wrong time. All that coupled with Mike Sullivan saying there's a lack of compete level means you got to do something to stir it up. Because we heard about all that stuff last year. What you didn't hear, what you don't ever hear from the Mike Sullivan lexicon, is our guys ain't trying hard enough. That's what he came out and said after they lost 5-1 to one to Montreal. And that is concerning to me. Especially after the offseason the Penguins had where they had to think about Washington hoisting the Stanley Cup the entire time. Sidney Crosby said all the right things. Everyone said all the right things. We care. And I expected right out of the gates the Penguins to play hockey the right way. Maybe that's on me for expecting something that is not really to be expected. But I really thought that they'd come out with a great attention to detail, and that's not there. All those things I just said. Poor puck management. Low percentage plays. Bad angles to pucks. Pinched at the wrong time. We've seen them do every one of those things over the course of the first two games. And you could do... What I've done in the past, and even what I did after game number one, and say, well, you've only played 141st fractions of your schedule. But I'd counter with, they're playing the way that got them bounced last year. When I analyze the Steelers' defense this year, and everything bad that happened the first four weeks of the season, I wasn't just looking at this season in a vacuum. I was also looking at what they did at the end of last season, and I thought, huh, they haven't done anything to improve upon their defensive problems. Well, I think you can put the Penguins in the same boat. Can they turn it around tomorrow? We'll find out. I love fire wagon hockey. I like eight to seven games. I like seven to six games. But coaches don't. And Sullivan can't. So he has to fix it. How do you do that? You put on the film? Well, that's part of it. You run the guys hard in practice? That's part of it. But I think you got to send a flipping message by yanking a guy out of the lineup. Ole Mata 
gets his head put down on the block. Mike Sullivan does his best Ned Stark impression, and hey, he's the sacrificial lamb, right? He broke it down in a video meeting. He turned an off day into a practice after a 90-minute practice the day before. This isn't about being a hard ass. This is about nipping bad habits in the bud before they become commonplace. Is it easy to quit smoking? No, believe me. But if you never start, you don't have to quit. Mike Sullivan is doing everything he can to make sure the Penguins don't get addicted to playing the wrong way. He ain't going to sit someone down every time they make a mistake, but he's making an example of Ole right now. And it tells the entire team to get it together. And it happened in game one, too, when protecting a lead, Daniel Sprong was stapled to the bench. I feel like Jacques Martin tied his skates together so he wouldn't be able to go out there on the ice. He didn't play in the third period. Sullivan is sending the right message. He's coaching the right way. Let's see if his team of Harlem Globetrotters gets it. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Coming up next, if James Conner wants to be the feature back in this league, I'll tell you what he's got to do to take that next step. Oh, sportsy. It's Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. Do your best Crowley impression. Go. Oh, my God, I love West Virginia so much. Will Greer, he's awesome. Yeah, I'll get on my knees for Will Greer. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Oh, yes, Adam Crowley. Johnny tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. Antonio Brown throwing things at an infant. I busted out laughing when you said that. Aren't the Steelers' problems hilarious compared to what else is going on around the rest of the league? I mean, think about it. New England right now has got to be saying, well, our defense, we gotta, we got to be a little bit quicker to the ball. Uh, we got to find a way to hide our linebackers a little bit. Maybe roll in some hybrid linebackers. Throw an extra safety up in the box. And Mike Tomlin's like, hey, B, can you please stop throwing things at children? Please? For a week, can you stop doing this nonsense? If this sort of thing continues, they're going to have to pick a certain color for it. And, like, stop throwing things at babies. Like, day in the NFL. Like, maybe, I don't know, like, turquoise or plaid or something. Like, plaid represents, like, save the babies from having things thrown at them. I think that the Steelers need to do a better job of raising awareness for things yeah. being thrown at children. It's a, it's a very big problem, Adam. Many people don't know that there's babies all over this world having things thrown at them. Just standing under windows, waiting. It's raining vases. 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 Okay. I mean, you're throwing vases at babies. I mean, don't, don't get carried away Depends here. what hemisphere you're in. One baby a year is narrowly hit by vases in Florida. Vases. Oh. Florida's a vase state. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't almost hit the elderly with a vase. Yeah. No, this thing's been going on for years, too. This is Even the ancients had problems with this. Well, no, I just I think it's odd. In Miami, I don't expect a baby to be running around a pool. I do, however, expect either someone to be doing blow by a pool, maybe the old Miami Dolphins 
strength and conditioning coach, or I expect an old person who's on retirement to get hit by a potted plant. Or like the good old days of the cartels, a body flying out of a window. Yes, you know that I expect. Yeah, I- I'm okay with that. And I brought this up yesterday on the show, and maybe this is maybe this is what you kind of hope for for the Steelers moving forward. At least it wasn't a hooker being thrown out the window. As long as you can stay below that threshold, you should be good. That that should be the hashtag, at least it's not a hooker. Yes. <laughs> I like it. Alameda Tayamu's driving drunk yeah. on the south side, up on the curbs, but at least he didn't have a hooker in the car. <laughs> yeah. Thank God he didn't have a hooker in the car. That is glass half full right there. Hashtag, at least it's not a hooker. Le'Veon Bell. LeGarrette Blunt. At least it's not a hooker. Yeah, at least it's not a hooker. <laughs> they're smoking dupes in the car. They get pulled over, but at least there wasn't a hook. Wait a second. There was a woman there. Uh, she wasn't a hooker, though. Are we sure? At least it wasn't We're a hooker. Sure. At least it wasn't a hooker. I wonder, however, if it may have been a hooker if the $80,000 was not stolen. Hmm. Food for thought. 412-922-2874. We're going to get back into the Steelers in a minute, but Stan talked on his show today about the Yankees and the Red Sox both being so unlikable and not wanting to see either of those teams win. And, man, I actually don't feel great about the Yanks being eliminated. Uh, the best two teams in baseball, they're going to play in the championship series. That's cool. But I wanted to see Kutch. I wanted to see Walker. I wanted to see those guys get a chance to win a World Series. And now instead, the former pirate that I'm going to have to root for is Steve Flippin Pierce, who, by the way, is hitting in the middle of that Red Sox batting order. When did that happen? How is he still in the league? Like, I was shocked. He was running over catchers in, like, 2006. Yeah. Brian's got experience with him, too, because after Pittsburgh, he had a couple cup of coffee. Yeah, he was, he was with like the three Orioles. Years. He was in the playoff runs, there was, right? There was a short run where people were screaming that Chris Davis should be replaced by him <laughs> because he had such a good year, and in hindsight, that was a great idea. That's Is Steve Pierce a Hall of Famer? <laughs> Just, like, quietly milking Everybody's his way along? Everybody's a Hall of Famer compared to Chris Davis. <laughs> How did they win 175 games this year, whatever the hell it was, with Steve Pierce in the middle of the batting order? Dude's a quiet, a quiet rock star, man. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> I'd like to make one correction. Whenever I said that Steve Pierce was running people over, running catchers over, I believe I was thinking of Ty Wigginton, but they're the same kind of guy. Steve Pierce ran some catchers over. He did, yeah. and I am surprised that Ty Wigginton isn't on the Houston Astros roster the way things go. On a good PED or two, Steve Pierce can really knock him out of the park. Oh, that guy looks like he rakes, right? Mm-hmm, yep. And I guess he kind of does. I have not looked at his numbers once. Tom, has Steve Pierce had a good year this year? Do you know this? Well, he got traded from Toronto to Boston this year. Uh, but his Boston numbers, I mean, they're all right. They're nothing to like write home about. OPS Plus was 901, so it's okay. That's just OPS. 279. No, that's his OPS Plus, I think. No, OPS. Oh, no, 141 is his OPS Plus. Oh, that's a great right? year. It's 41% above replacement level. Okay. So, oh, yeah, man. I mean, he, I mean, he's all right. I mean, he's not bad. He only had seven home runs. He'd like to see a little more power. Is he playing first base? Uh, I, I believe that's where he spent most of his time. The yeah. long lineage of first baseman for the Boston Red Sox, Doug Mintkevich, Kevin Euclid, and now Steve Pierce. They win with a bunch of freaking bum heads. John Olerud! Didn't John Olerud play there, too? The guy who wore a batting helmet at first yeah, base? He sure did. What a dork he was. He's an Oriole, too. <laughs> oh, my God! They just, the AFC East teams, they just trade players back and forth. How many teams has Steve Pierce played on, Tom? Since you've got the statistics there. I, I know I'm spending way too much time on Steve Pierce, but I don't care. It's the Crowley Show. It's the thing we do. I don't get it. 
How many teams have you been on? He started with Pittsburgh, then he went to Baltimore, then he went to Houston, then he went to the Yankees, then he went back to Baltimore, then he went to the Rays, then he went back to Baltimore, then he went to the Blue Jays, and now he's on the Red Sox. <laughs> I think I'd rather have a hooker hitting in the middle of my lineup. Hey, big old hot potato in the league. <laughs> he left and came back to Baltimore three different times. That alone gets you in the Hall of Fame. He played for every AFC East team. Jeez, I wonder what he did to deserve that. Every one of them! I said it! I didn't know it was true! It's he true! Really did, though. Steve Pierce, what did he do as a pirate? Last last Steve Pierce question for you, Top. Give me a second here. What? I gotta dig he deep hit, to find his hit, pirate years. He hit 202 in his last year as a pirate in 2011. That's great. Uh, let's see. 94 at-bats, 19 hits. He had one home run. Oh, nice. Probably a memorable one. Probably ninth inning bases loaded down three. Yeah, he got ten ribbies off one home run. Wow. (laughs) Clutch. Ten RBIs on the season. I've been saying for a long time that the key for success for the Pittsburgh Pirates, don't go out there and spend more money. Spend less and bring in Steve Pierce. That is the key to success. That is how you go clearly to the World Series or at least the American League Championship Series. Dude, see, here, here's the funny thing with Steve Pierce. He got to Baltimore in 2014, and listen to this. Like, okay, I mean, I'm not accusing anybody. Home runs, 0 4 4 Baltimore, 21. Whoa! <laughs> 15. And okay. The, and the at-bats are pretty much right right along with That's it. That's fishy right there. Yeah. Come on now. Okay, are you sure it just wasn't launch angle? It could have just been launch angle. Escape velocity. I think it was a little too much time with Chris Davis. I think that's what that was. Wow. You didn't give me any more pirate statistics there, Tom. How'd you digging for him? I know Brian gave me the 202. Yeah, he hit a total. He really sucked as a pirate. <laughs> I mean, he, he didn't do anything. His be- hey, The most games he played as a pirate was in 2009. He played 60 games, and he hit 206 with four bombs. Clearly hadn't found the pids yet. <laughs> the PDs. What was his OPS I mean, plus allegedly, in pirates? Allegedly. Allegedly, yes. Let's cover it all with the blanket his- of... His best Allegedly. OPS plus as a pirate was 121, and that was in a year where he only played 15 games and had 38 plate appearances. Well, he made a huge difference in those 15 yes. games. 2010. Who could forget the 2010 Pittsburgh Pirates? <laughs> Steve Pierce's problems inconsistency, obviously. Kind of like James Conner. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to mess with your transition. We're the only radio show in America right now focusing on Steve Pierce. I mean, if Steve Pierce isn't on that Boston Red Sox roster, do they win 115 games? If he doesn't make that stretch last night, Glaber Torres is still running, and the Yankees are playing in Game 5 in Boston tomorrow night. Is Steve Pierce bald? I want to say he's bald now. No, he's he might be bald. He now. looks like a guy who would eventually be bald. Yeah, I don't think a picture yeah, of is. him exists. Oh, yeah, yeah he's he bald. Okay. I didn't know if a picture existed with him without a hat on. Yeah, sometimes he does that uh, almost shave thing. I mean, but not to get too in-depth on Steve Pierce. He is the perfect Red Sox, though, right? Because <laughs> they're the idiots. Or they were the idiots back in 2004. They had Kevin Millar and Bill Miller. Bill Miller led the league in hits one year. If you could do that with Bill Miller, you could do that with Steve Pierce. I really don't know how to transition now. James Conner. He needs to be consistent like Steve Pierce has been this year. If James Conner wants to be a feature back in this league... He needs to prove that he can shoulder the workload and not disappear for games at a time. And this game right here against Cincinnati is a game where Le'Veon Bell would play huge 
Think about what he's done in his career against Cincinnati. 35 for 134 and three catches for 58 yards the first time these teams played last year. 18 for 76 and five for 106 the second time they played last year. 23 for 93 and five for 38 in 2016. D'Angelo Williams who was filling in for a suspended Le'Veon Bell, hashtag at least it wasn't a hooker, had 94 yards on the ground and 38 through the air in 2016 when Bell was suspended. So, looking back at the last two years, it's 99 yards on the ground for the feature back and 60 yards through the air against Cincinnati. This is the kind of game where a running back with the bell cow aspirations needs to take this bitch over. Case in point. The Bengals are giving up 118 yards per game on the ground this year. That's not good. Four and a half yards per carry. Wow. I don't know why I typed it in my notes like that. Wow. All caps exclamation point. I was really fired up about that when I was drinking my coffee this morning. They're 23rd in the National Football League in stopping the run. Four and a half yards per carry. Wow. Say it with me, boys. Four and a half yards per carry. Wow! Wow! Whoa! What? Wow! So if James Conner wants to have aspirations of turning anything into like Le'Veon Bell has been, this is the game where you go out there and you prove it. And you know what they've done against Cincinnati a bunch the last couple of years? They run that counter trap, and they pull the guard, and they just wham the snot out of them. And Vontez Perfect, he's a great player. I think part of the reason why they do that is because they want to get offensive linemen at the second level to slobber knock them, as Craig Wolfley would say. So you're going to see a lot of that, and you hope, if you're a Steelers fan, that James Conner can play the way that Le'Veon Bell and D'Angelo Williams had over the last couple of years. And in Cincinnati, it's the same thing. In Cincinnati... They keep running the ball. And the difference between the two teams has always been, Dale and I talk about this all the time, the Steelers, they'll keep running it against Cincinnati. They will run it 30 times before they break these guys down, but they know eventually it's going to work. Cincinnati, a lot of times, has early success against the Steelers running the football they have, and then they've just inexplicably gotten away from it. Here's another key to Sunday's game. Had a lot of coffee today. Uh, really looking ahead to Cincinnati. Joe Hayden needs to shadow A.J. Green. But it doesn't sound much like Tomlin's enamored with the idea. Kansas City's got far better weapons than Cincinnati. Atlanta, in my mind, has better weapons than both. Tyler Eifert was a big-time receiving threat for the Bengals. Their third-leading receiver, in fact. But then he broke his leg in Jason Kendall-like fashion. So now it comes down to two players that can beat you. Tyler Boyd. And, of course, A.J. Green. Green and Julio Jones, I think, are similar players. I would use Joe Hayden to shadow him all around the field. And it's been done in the past. Ross Cockrell was used in a myriad of ways to shut Green down, and it's worked. No disrespect to Cockrell, who I think is a very nice man, but he ain't no Joe Hayden. Hayden shut down Julio last week. He shut down Hopkins last year as the only true receiving target. I think that if you can take A.J. Green out of the game with no Eifert, you can really make Dalton uncomfortable. Boyd's become a really good player, though, but if you take Green out of the game, you don't really worry about what he can do as much. You shade everyone else that way. He's got two scores on the season. Green's got five. Make the other dudes beat you. The Patriots are really good at that. They'll take your best player away from you and make you beat them left-handed. 
Steelers need to do that this week and make Andy Dalton beat you left-handed. And he ain't no Pat Mahomes who could beat you left-handed. John Ross is, I guess, part of the offense, but maybe more of a deep threat decoy than anything else. I really thought he'd be a bigger part this year. He's only got seven catches. Dumb. Should have put wow behind that. John Ross only has seven catches. Wow! Coming up next, I talked in depth yesterday about the Steelers' identity on offense. Talk a little bit about the Steelers' identity on defense. And I'll have breaking news for you. It's a Crowley show. Adam Crowley. And back in the day, when you finished off a guy, you threw him down, and then you drilled him, you gored him. It was a way of letting them know, hey, look, it, I'm here all day. Uh, hello. The Adam Crowley Show, 970 AM, 106.3 FM, and the iHeartRadio app. Drilled them, you gored them. Interrupt our regularly scheduled program for this breaking news update on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Colts have signed former Steelers safety Mike Mitchell one week after they played the Patriots, so it's good to know that he won't be looking ahead. (laughs) How desperate are they? Mike Mitchell was a good player when he was healthy with the Steelers. But then he got not healthy a lot, and then whenever he came back from being not healthy, well, he wasn't good anymore. All in all, it didn't really work out for anybody there, huh? No, that puts a nice bow on the whole Mike Mitchell Yeah, really, just not great. We got into a Twitter fight last year, me and Mike Mitchell, because I wrote a blog on ESPNPGH.com saying that he was looking ahead. He was looking ahead to the New England Patriots. He said, that was taken out of context from a couple of weeks ago. Well, (laughs) A couple of weeks ago, if you were looking ahead to the New England Patriots, that makes it worse than the week before you would possibly be playing the Patriots to look ahead to the Patriots. So, suck on that, Mike Mitchell. I don't know why I'm saying so many mean things. He did get a job. It's always nice to see people get work, I suppose. But Why do you hate Mike Mitchell? I tried to argue with me on Twitter.com. <laughs> and as you guys know, I don't get off by arguing. I get off by retweets. The dopamine levels go up whenever I get retweets and likes. You're a generally happy person. The the greater your re, your re, bleh, the greater your retweets. That was hard to say. Brian's impression of Mike <laughs> Mitchell on the football field right there. Mike Brian was to radio right there what Mike Mitchell was as a Pittsburgh Steelers safety. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The Steelers didn't have much of an identity when Mike Mitchell was around. I gotta get better at these transitions. What has happened to my transition game lately? Yes, transitions lately are so good. I mean, they're terrible. They're so terrible. They're awesome. What do I gotta do to improve? Tom and I just giggle. Like, we do this little side look and giggle every time you do one of these transitions. They're so good. You don't think I see the, you don't think I see the look? Keep them coming, man. Keep them coming. You don't think that I see when you guys are making fun of me behind my back, right in front of my face? We're not, though. We're not. We're just enjoying the badness of them and how great it is. The Steelers are no longer enjoying being bad on defense because now they're good on defense. (laughs) 
Because they found an identity. Good one, dude. 19 sacks in five games is pretty damn good. In fact, it leads the National Football League. Last year, the Steelers had 56 sacks. It led the National Football League, and it was the most sacks they've had in franchise history. It could be better, though. They had seven sacks in the Browns game, one sack in the Chiefs game, three sacks in the Bucks game, two sacks in the Ravens game, and six sacks in the Falcons game. And their non-losses, yes, that's a way you have to put it with the 2018 Steelers, they have dropped the quarterback 16 times. They've only done it three times combined in their two losses. If this defense wants to be good, if this defense even wants to be mediocre, it has got to create a consistent pass rush. That means consistency from key players. Well, the real Stefan Tuit, please stand up. Tom, how many sacks does Stefan Tuit have this year? Uh, goose egg. He's got a goose egg and also zero sacks. How many tackles for loss does he have this year, Tom? Uh, zero. And also a goose egg. Javon Hargrave is outpacing him. He's got two. That's bad news because the Steelers' two big boys on the defensive line, Stephon Tewitt and Cam Hayward, have one and a half sacks combined. Javon Hargrave is outpacing the two of them together. It would be nice to see Tewitt and Hayward bring it. That would help even out the numbers. No? How about TJ Watt? Two three-sack games, three no-sack games. He's on pace for a hell of a statistical season, but it would be nice if you could expect a difference maker week in and week out. What I love about T.J. Watt is he's at least shown the ability to do something that Bud Dupree and that Jarvis Jones never showed that they could do. Affect the game. There was a half a season a couple of years ago where Bud Dupree looked good, and that's the same year that he ended the Miami Dolphins quarterback's life by blowing him up in that playoff game. But we really haven't seen him be able to consistently affect games, and it's been way few and far between. T.J. Watt, he's affected two games tremendously this year already. They don't win. Pardon me. They don't tie against Cleveland if he doesn't play the way he did. If he doesn't play the way he did against Atlanta... Things change there, too. So that's good. Duh. He needs to do it more consistently. But what I love about it is he's at least shown that he's a better player than Bud Dupree. He's a better player with a higher upside uh, than both he and Jarvis Jones. That doesn't mean Bud Dupree's a bad player. A lot of people think he is. I don't think Bud Dupree's bad. I just don't think he's great. He's an average player. That's it. Average. But T.J. Watt can be more than that. It would be nice if you could expect him being the difference maker week in and week out. He's warming up to the task. He's not quite there yet. In terms of the pass rush, Joe Hayden didn't play against Kansas City, which does hurt the chances of creating coverage sacks. Mike Hilton didn't play against Baltimore, so ditto there, and he's also a key cog in the Steelers' blitzing scheme. How wild is that? Oh, the Steelers missed Mike Hilton, so they're missing a great blitzer off the edge. It's odd, but it's true. He is a cog in the Steelers' blitzing scheme. He's so good at timing up the blitz. He had four sacks last year from the corner position. He was a threat off the edge during the entirety of that Falcons game. Keith Butler needs to recognize this, and I think he does, but don't get away from it.
The identity of the Pittsburgh Steelers on the offensive side needs to be their offensive line. You've got one of the best, if not the best, offensive lines in the game. Now play to your damn strengths. On defense, your strength is getting after the quarterback. Let those dogs run free, baby. Like the Baja men. Let the dogs out. He wouldn't do that against the Ravens. After giving up too many big plays and getting away with things a little bit even, frankly, in the first half, he figured he wouldn't bring much pressure in the second half. What it did was allow the Ravens to control the clock. Nary a negative play to be found. It was a terrible strategy that had me, for the first time, considering what it would look like if the Steelers made a D coordinator change. But one week changes a lot. The weakness, if there is one, of the Falcons' offense is the offensive line. The Steelers exploited it. The Bengals did a lot to shore up their offensive line, but it still can be had. They've given up just nine sacks on the year, but I think it's how the Steelers can win this one in Cincinnati. Bring some heat from all levels and confuse and confound this offensive line. One of the things that jumps out when you're looking at the tape, because I do that all the time, and when you're looking at the statistics... I do that all the time, is that the Steelers are getting pressure from all over the place. Bostick's got two and a half sacks. Dupree's got three. Hayward's got two and a half. Watts got six. LJ Fort has one. Hargrave has two. Chicolo has one. McCullers has one. And last year, Vince Williams had seven and Hilton had four, and neither of them has a sack just yet. So more should be expected. This defense does have an identity. It's getting after the quarterback. This is who they are. Consistency with the D coordinator's key. Consistency with the players is a must. But I think they found what they are on both sides of the ball now. Five weeks in is kind of late to do that. But at least they found themselves. Hey, I didn't know who I was before college. I was 18 years old. I had no idea what Crowley wanted to be. You know what he found out when he went to college? That he liked pot and drinking natty ice. And that those two key ingredients... Unleash the crowd, man. I found my identity late, but I've stuck with it. Steelers found their identity. They got to stick with it, too. 412-922-2874 is the number. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Colby Armstrong coming up in about nine minutes on the show. First, though, we go to Devin. What's up, man? What's up, brother? You tell me. Can you hear me? (laughs) Can you hear me? Yes, I can. couple things. I like John Bostic, man. I just keep wanting, if Shazier was in there, I'd say, oh, my goodness. But anyway, I want to talk about how lucky we are to have found Mike Hilton. I don't think people talk about that enough. He's really good, man. He's, a, he's good in coverage. He's good on blitzes. He's just good. Think about this, buddy. The Steelers' defense, the players that they've drafted, they haven't been great, apart from T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward. And there are, there are a couple other guys in there, but... We haven't seen Artie Burns play up to what they want him to play up to. You can go down the list, right? Right. The players that have played their best on the defense, they've been accidents. I mean, Mike Hilton, you bring in, the Patriots cut him. You don't think he's going to be a guy, and he's a great player. Joe Hayden, you have no idea Joe Hayden's going to be out there. Then guess what? Joe Hayden's out there. You sign him, and he's one of your best players, if not your best player on the defense. So they've been accidents, but they've worked out. Kind of like me. I was an accident, too. Tell me why T.J. White. Won't show up, or he'll like dominate the whole game. I think it's about the defensive coordinator. Uh, I think if you, I think if you bring more blitzes, or if you still rush four and change it up, make it look like it's coming from different angles and from different levels. I think he can win one-on-one matchups. 
Uh, he has been inconsistent. He's just going to have to rub that out. Whoa, bad choice of words there. And he will. I mean, he will. He, he's got the potential. He's got the lineage. He's got the pedigree. He's going to be a stud. Okay, brother. Get out of here. Get out of here. Tom loves it when I say get out of here like that. The crown man turns Jerry Seinfeld. That weird guy's inviting us to his cabin again. That guy who loves the show, he just tweeted at me at underscore Adam Crowley. Going to the cabin November 9th to the 12th, you in? No! What is this? Remember that guy who invited us up to his cabin prior to the season? No, I don't. There's this guy who invited us up to his cabin before the season. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, no, but we should go. No, we should. No, not no. a good guy. It's right no. around Halloween. This that, guy's gonna peel our skin off and eat it, us. That ends with a hatchet right between my eyes. Hey, I just have a little more faith in humanity, I guess. Then see, that's why you would be bad in a horror movie. You would be the first one killed. Well, second. Yeah, we can't bring Devin with us because Devin would absolutely be the first one killed. We can't have that. No. Coming up next, Colby Armstrong. Former Pittsburgh Penguin. He'd survive a horror, horror movie. Oh, yeah. That guy put some peeps in headlocks. He'll join us to talk about Mike Sullivan doing just that to Olimata. There's a transition Crowley show.